Howdy again. Everybody, has everybody had a good weekend? Has everybody felt pretty good? Oh, God. Okay, this is at 11.30. 8.30 was alive. You guys are going to be, like, this is going to be my favorite. Y'all are my favorite people. Don't tell anybody. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Uh, I love Halloween. Love Halloween. And I know, I know there's some Christians that don't love Halloween. Don't email me this week. I don't have time. You know why? Because I'm celebrating Halloween while you have no friends. That, that's, that's, that's all I got. I, I love every, I, I don't love everything about it. I love most things, like the weather. This is my favorite time of year because of the fall. Anybody with me on the fall? Yeah. The, the leaves change and it's beautiful and you go to the mountains or whatever. It's awesome. I love the weather. Um, I love the candy. Uh, it's, it's a great way to teach your kids how to tithe um, and then give an offering um, and then sacrifice above that. So um, Karis has learned that from the day she, I mean, especially the Butterfingers. I'm like, baby. You give your best. You just always give your best. And so I've always reaped that. It's great. By the way, don't get me any Butterfinger because I'm, I'm fine. Because if, listen, if it's in my house after eight at night, it just gets eaten. That's why, so I just have to keep it out. Just get thee behind me. So um, I love I love the costumes. In fact, me and the staff are dressing up this year for Halloween. You'll have to check out social media on Thursday. I'm not going to tell you what we're dressing as, but it's going to be really awesome. And you'll never see me in this costume again, so you better get ready for it. Some of you are like, I don't even know what social media is. Ask your grandchild. They'll get you. Um, but I'm not on TikTok, so don't, so don't go there. Um, I love I love just everything about it in general, except I don't do scary. I don't do it. I don't I don't watch scary movies, but because I, I, I don't I just don't want to. Are you you're, are you afraid? Yes, yes, I'm very afraid. I'm scared. Um, if I'm the kind of person though, I have an active mind. If I'm in bed at night and I'm just laying there, and I hear something. Like, I can look over at my, my jacket that's laying on the chair, and if I stare at it long enough, the jacket will go, how you doing? And, and like, so that's where my mind goes. I don't do scary. I had some friends the other day going, we're going to a haunted house. You want to go? No. Nope. You need to hang out more. You know what? Let's hang out at a not haunted house. I'm, I'm down for that. They're like, no, 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 no. You can buy, apparently there's this thing you can buy, like a little strobe light and put around your neck for like $5, um, and, and it blinks, and it tells people not to scare you. So basically, you're announcing, I'm a wuss, I'm a wuss, I'm a wuss. And so I'm like, I'm not, no, I'm just not, I'm not going to do scary because I don't, listen, I got enough scary stuff in my life going on without having to get into somebody else's scary, right? And so that's what we're, this, this series is about. When I talk about fighting my demons, these are things that I've had to fight through over the past um, over this past season in my life. And, and, and this is not something that I have mastered. It's stuff that I'm learning and stuff I feel like that God is teaching me. And we're going to address things that, that a lot of times churches kind of stray away from. Like next week, we're going to talk about divorce. Yep, see that right there. Everybody just went, oh, God. So, so but we're, listen, I'll guarantee you we're going to talk about it in a way you've never heard it talked about before. You're just trying to get me to come back. Can't fool you, can I? Anyway, um, so, so we're talking about these things, and today specifically, I want to talk about this thing called loneliness. Every single person in this room knows what it's like to feel alone. We, we, we know what that's like to feel alone, and it's crazy because there are around 8 billion people on the planet 
We're more connected with our devices than we've ever been before. But don't miss this. Don't miss this because this is something I'm learning. There's a difference between being viewed and being seen. And a lot of people in today's culture, we're viewed, but we're not seen. Because to be viewed is to kind of see us through the lens of which we choose to project ourselves through. So we typically, myself included, we're going to put our highlight reel up, right? But to be seen is to be known. And to be known is to be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable, a lot of times, is like to get kicked out or cast aside. And so there's so many of us that maybe have had a negative experience with that that we'll choose loneliness and isolation over community. There's some people here today that we feel lonely, maybe when it comes to a relationship with God. We feel disconnected. Maybe at one time you felt very connected, but something happened or a series of things happened and you walked away or you got feel like you got pushed away and you're trying to come back, but you're not quite sure and you feel lonely spiritually or you feel lonely emotionally. Hey, here's the deal I know about everybody in this room. You've been through some stuff. Like you have. And, and, and it doesn't, like, I'm not talking about, well, my story's tougher than theirs. No, no, no. Pain is pain, period. And sometimes don't you feel like you're lonely emotionally because nobody can connect with you? Don't you, don't you wish sometimes there was just somebody that would listen to you and not try to fix you? Because people that try to fix you, don't they wind up doing a lot more damage? Oh, my gosh, I don't see why you're worried about that. You just need to take your frown, turn it upside down. I'm like, I need to take my foot stick up. So, so that's, that's, what, that's how my, my mind processes stuff. And we feel lonely physically. Hey, let's just be honest. Solitude's awesome. There are times we need solitude. If you're a mom in here, you, I mean, you're probably like my mom. She would look at me and she's like, you need to give me five minutes so you can make it five more years. That's what you need to know. And uh, Yes, ma'am. Okay, and I'll just kind of disappear. Five, solitude is awesome. There's times we need to break away and have solitude. But loneliness, when you come back to the house or the apartment, and you're physically by yourself and you can feel it, that sucks. So how do we get how do we get past that or how do we get how do we get through that? Well, as I'm working through this, I'm learning some stuff about Jesus through this whole process. I've been walking with him for over 20 years and I'm still learning about him because it's phenomenal. And I'm I'm learning what the scriptures say about him is very clear. Like, for example, I'm learning he's a waymaker. Like, he will make a way through the loneliness. I would prefer for him just to take me out of it, but he will make a way through it. He makes a way all through the scripture. We see God making a way for his people. I'm going to make a way through the Red Sea. I'm going to make a way through the desert. I'm going to make a way. God is a way maker. And if you're in the middle of a mess, you need to understand that God knows how to make a way through it if we just learn to trust him. I don't know. Does anybody besides me have a hard time just trusting God sometimes? Okay, yeah, four people. That's awesome. The rest of y'all, polish your halos. You look great. Next one. He's a miracle worker. I believe the, I'm the crazy guy that believes the miracles that took place in the Bible can and do take place today. I believe if he did it then, he can do it again. I believe he's the same yesterday and today and forever. I believe that God is still in the miracle business. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. I believe he's a promise keeper. All of us know what it's like 
to have someone break a promise. But God has never broken a promise. Not to me and not to you. And one of his promises is that he will always be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And I've got to take him at his word. Even when I feel alone, I'm not alone because he's with me. And then he's a light in the darkness. Like he, he, he just lights it up. And, and if, if you deal with loneliness, this is what I know. If you deal with loneliness, you can feel darkness. It follows you around. It clouds your mind. I, I know it because I've, I've lived in it. But in that darkness, there's always a light. It's, it's just up to us to make the effort to see it. And Jesus is, Jesus has been for me, that light in the darkness. So we're going to talk about this today. I'm going to go ahead and warn you, if the next five minutes make you uncomfortable, it's made me uncomfortable all week long. I'm just going to read a story, something out of the Bible, Leviticus. A book that we all love. Some of you are like, I tried to read through the Bible. You got stuck in Leviticus. They started killing goats and cows, and you quit. I don't blame you. It can be a little bit confusing. But I want to start in Leviticus, and and, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just going to acknowledge the fact that we're all about to get a little bit uncomfortable. You ready? Okay, maybe. I don't know. Here we go. All I'm doing, all I'm doing is preaching the Bible. This is in the Bible. Just a, it's a Bible verse, not a T-shirt verse. <laughs> Dear God. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, like you, I remember the first time I was reading through the Bible and I got to that and I was like, is this necessary? Like, do we, like, like, and it's, it's uncomfortable. Like yesterday I'm riding down the road with Karis, my 12 year old daughter. She's like, what are you preaching about tomorrow, dad? I was like, oh, the long, like loneliness, what, what text are you going to use? Um, it's, I just one of those 66, but I, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? We haven't even got a good part yet. She will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Now, to us, that doesn't mean a lot, but to a Jewish person in Jewish culture, this was a big deal. Because if you were unclean, you couldn't participate in the ceremonies which meant you couldn't go to tabernacle, you couldn't go to the temple, you couldn't be prayed for, you couldn't have your sins forgiven. You felt completely disconnected from God. And it gets worse. Not only were you disconnected from God, watch this. Um, Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. So, Not only was she isolated from God, but she was isolated from people as well. Like people didn't want to touch her because if you touched her, you got unclean. If you touched her, you got what she had and you didn't want what she had, so you kind of of kicked her out and isolated her for, for at least seven days. It goes on, anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. So you couldn't invite her over to your house because... Anything she touched would be unclean. And if you touched what she touched, then you would be unclean. And so just you just stay there 
and until the, the mess is taken care of, and then you can come out of your house. It gets worse. If any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. If any of you touch an object she has sat on, dear God, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. This includes her bed or any other object she has sat on. You will be unclean until evening if you touch it. This is in the Bible. So, we can, can, can we safely conclude that a woman going, God, I'm choosing my words so carefully right now, a woman going through this issue in this time period felt incredibly alone. Yes or no? Yes. She absolutely felt lonely, disconnected from God and disconnected from people. And, that, and that's a dangerous place to be. Because anytime we're disconnected is when we get misdirected. I know in my own life, anytime I felt like I, I've, I've made the dumbest decisions in my life when I've been disconnected from God and disconnected from people that love me. Now, it gets, put, put all of this on pause for a second because we need to go um, to numbers. It, and it's not, it's not quite as bad as this. All right, here we go. Numbers. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hem of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. So you must kind of put tassels like on the fringe of your garment or something like that. This is, and this is why. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourself, as you are prone to do. The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that I might be your God. I am the Lord your God. So God, but God was basically telling Moses, you need to put tassels on your clothes to serve as a reminder of who I am. And I don't know about you, but I need reminders from time to time that God is God and God is good because left on my own, I'll forget. I, I'm so thankful for the reminders that God has put in my life. Just in the past 48 hours, I've had three or four people text me specific prayers. Perry, this is what I'm praying for you today as you preach. This is what I'm praying for your church. This is what I'm praying for your life. And it's just reminded me that I'm not alone, that I've got people praying for me. I'm thankful that I have a church that I can come to where I'm reminded that God is good. I'm thankful that I've got the scriptures that I can read, that I can pray to God anytime I want to and be reminded that I'm not alone. And God in this text... It's saying put tassels on your clothing that'll serve as a reminder that I am God. Now, don't miss this because some of you are like, you were here and now you're here. Today's sermon is a casserole. We're going to mix it up, and when we get to the end, throw some cheese on top. It's going to be amazing. All right, so that's that's what you do with a casserole. So so when the the rabbis and the, the priest and the leaders of the church or the synagogue, the Jewish people, would pray over them at the end, they would pronounce a blessing. And as he was pronouncing a blessing, he would hold his robe or his cloak out, and it would literally look like he had wings because of the way he was holding his clothes, like the, the, the clothing would fall, and it would look like he had wings when he was standing like this. And so over time, over time, a legend developed based on the book of Malachi. 
Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, and then God goes silent for 400 years. But Malachi said in Malachi chapter 4 too, but but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, which is a reference to the Messiah, will rise with healing in his wings. Remember the wings, when he holds his arm out, the wings, with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Now, I want that in my life. I want that kind of joy in my life. I want that kind of joy for all of that, all of us in that li- in our lives. But it comes back to recognizing Jesus healing in his wings. So a legend developed over those 400 years that when the Messiah came, don't miss this, there would be healing in his clothes. Like just his clothes, his clothes would contain healing. Now, with that in mind, this is just a safe place, safe environment. I feel like I can confess to you guys, I don't like to wait. I like for anything. I went to a restaurant on Friday night, and uh, I said, how long's your wait time? They're like, oh, it's only 15 minutes. I said, I'm gone. I wouldn't mean, but I don't wait 15 minutes because somewhere else don't have a wait. Not as good, maybe, I don't know. I'll never know. You know why? Because I'm not waiting 15 minutes. I don't wait in drive-thrus. I don't wait in drive-thrus. I mean, because if there's two cars deep, you know, they're like, oh, we're making it fresh for you, which means we can't find the cook, and we don't know. We, 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 unless, unless, unless it's Chick- That's right, Chick-fil-A. How do they do it? It's like you drive around, and they got your food in a bag hanging out the window going, thank you, my pleasure, and, and it's unreal. I don't wait in drive-thrus. I don't wait on the phone. Like if we're on a phone call and I have had people say, hey, can I put you on hold for a minute? Nope. What's y'all only going to take a minute? Okay, we'll call me back. Oh, you think you're important? Yep, I sure am. I am important and you're going to call me back or we ain't going to, what if I got something important to tell you? Then you wouldn't take the other call, idiot. That's how I speak to people in my mind. I don't mean, I mean, I don't like to wait on God. I don't like it. I know some people, I, have you ever met the incredibly patient person? I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just waiting on Jesus. I don't like that. I don't like to wait on Jesus. I want God to act now. Now. God, I want now. God, I want, God, I hurt my toe, and I want it to stop hurting now. God, I would like that parking place now. God, I would like for you to pay this bill now. God, I would like for you to destroy this car in front of me now. Don't, not the person, maim them a little bit. They, they shouldn't drive, but like destroy the car, right? Now, I'm the kind of person that I want things to happen now, but have you ever noticed that God sometimes doesn't instantly act? He's not like a microwave God, more of a crockpot God. Yeah. Some of y'all don't even know what a crock pot is. You can call your grandma when you get home. She'll tell you. So with that in mind, with the waiting thing in mind, keep this. So, 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 so far we had the thing in Leviticus about the woman and the loneliness, right? We got the thing in Numbers about the healing and the clothes connected to Malachi. With all that in mind, here's where we're going to bring it back around. Luke said, in chapter 8, verse 42, as Jesus went with him, him is a guy who came to Jesus and said, my daughter, who's 12, is sick. Would you go with me to, to heal her? Jesus is on the way to heal her. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowd. So he can imagine Jesus. He's like a, 
as a, as a rock star, and he's moving through the crowds, and people are pressing up against him, and he can't really move, so he's kind of fighting, and, and the disciples are trying to clear the way, and they don't have earpieces or anything, so they're just trying to move through the crowd and get him through, right? A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years, well, so suffered, not struggled, not wrestled, not had a couple bad days. She suffered for 12 years. I want to pause real quick. Some people here today, you know what that feels like. You, you, you've suffered or you are suffering. And issues very real. And I hadn't said this in other services, but I just would feel led to say you've tried to minimize it and say it's not important. If it's causing you to suffer, it's important. Because you you are important. Suffered for 12 years. With constant bleeding. Here, what does that mean? It's the thing we talked about in Leviticus. Do you think she was lonely? Twelve years of loneliness. Twelve years of not being able to be connected with God. Twelve years of not being able to be connected with other people. I mean, she could connect with other people, but as soon as they found out what was wrong with her, they would push her away. That's what religion does. Religion always pushes away. Jesus always brings us in. I'll say it again because it was good. Religion always pushes away. Jesus always brings us in. And all of a sudden, we see this woman who's suffering for 12 years with loneliness, unlike most people have ever experienced in their life. She was lonely, and she could find no cure. She had tried. She had tried to get better, and she couldn't get better. When you get in a situation like this, you got to make a statement. Statements are huge. In fact, I've always thought that bumper stickers are huge statements. Now, y'all know my philosophy on bumper stickers. The more bumper stickers a person has on their car, the weirder they are. And 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 if that just offended you, hey, if the shoe fits, baby, wear it. Because you got a lot of bumper stickers, you're weird. Your friends just don't love you enough to tell you the truth. I told you the truth. Hope you'll come back next week. But like, for example, certain bumper stickers make statements like this. This bumper sticker right here says, I love Jesus and I'm going to heaven. That, that's what that says if you have a Clemson sticker, right? And, and so, and, and people have Clemson stickers on their car, and you see the, oh, they're a Clemson fan or whatever. This bumper sticker right here says, I love mediocrity. Um, it, it does. It's just like, I want to give mediocrity a hug every morning. His name is Will Muschamp. And, um, and that, that'll be great, right? This is, if I had a bumper sticker on my car, this would be it. It would be, um, I was an honor student. I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> isn't that great? I love that. But my favorite statement on a sticker ever in the history of the world, this is the most true thing ever written outside of Scripture is this. If I just passed you on the right, you're an idiot. That right there, <laughs> we should put the second chance logo like right there, just like let them go. It's a statement, right? And all of us know how to make statements. We make statements about what we believe. We make statements about how we feel. This woman, though, 
with the issue of blood. She's really wrestling and struggling for 12 years. But this next verse, I didn't understand this for years. This next verse got me. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where would the tassels have been? The fringe of his robe? What does it say in Malachi? That the Messiah would have healing in his clothes. So here you got a woman who's been suffering for 12 years. She makes her way through the crowd and she touches the fringe of his robe. And when she touched the fringe of his robe, it wasn't like I'm trying to touch my favorite rock star. When she grabbed his robe, she was saying, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you're the cure. I believe you're the way maker, the promise keeper, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness. I believe in you. And what happened to this woman when she believed? The Bible says the bleeding stopped. Bleeding stopped. Don't, don't miss this. There, were, there, there was a crowd around Jesus, and there was a lot of people experiencing Jesus, or a lot of people seeing Jesus, but only one person experienced Jesus because she had the faith to believe that Jesus was exactly who he said he would be. And I think sometimes in church, I know I'm guilty of this, there's a lot of times that we come to a place like this and we're around Jesus, but we don't experience Jesus. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do sometimes with our minds being disconnected from who he is or even the ability to see who he is. At the end of the day, Jesus is exactly who he said he is. Jesus will do exactly what he said he would do. This woman wanted more than just being around him. She wanted to experience him. And when she acknowledged him through her statement of grabbing the clothes, she was healed. Unbelievable. But it keeps getting crazier. It keeps getting crazier because... um. Who, who touched me, Jesus asked. Now, this is a weird question. When you're in the middle of a crowd and you're trying to, like, get through the crowd and just kind of throwing elbows and stuff, I'm a, me at an airport, man, I'll throw an elbow. I ain't scared. And you're trying to get through, uh, who touched me? And, and the disciples weren't scared to call him out. Hey, Flau said, um, everyone denied it. And if you're a mom, you know exactly what this is like. You come home, your dog's painted blue. You get your kids, who did this? We don't know. And it just showed up that way, right? You know what denial is. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. I mean, come on, Jesus. But Jesus said, someone deliberately, not accidentally, deliberately, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Jesus wasn't even like planning on the healing. It's just like, whoa. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Jesus, what was that? Fully God, fully man, right? This is like the fully man. And so verse 47, when the woman realized that she could could not stay hidden, she, she began to tremble, huh? And fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Now, why would she be scared? It's very simple. Go back to Leviticus. She was unclean. If a woman who, or a man or anybody that was unclean intentionally touched someone who was clean, especially a rabbi, 
they could be punished, possibly even killed. So this woman, when she made this statement by grabbing his clothes, and declaring that he was Lord, she wasn't doing it safely. She was taking a risk. And sometimes we got to take a risk when it comes to grabbing a hold of Jesus. We got to be willing to take that risk, understand. And this is what the woman did. And finally she got called out and she's scared to death because for 12 years she's been lonely. She's been isolated. And what is the, what are the two things that people want when they felt lonely and isolated? Love and acceptance. So what does Jesus do? Verse 48, daughter. See, Jesus is God in the flesh, and God is our heavenly father, and so Jesus doesn't look at her and call her unclean. I've heard it said like this before. Jesus knew her mess, but he called her by her name, daughter. He called her by her name. In one word, he gave her love and acceptance because she took a risk and had the courage to say, I believe you are here. I believe you can do exactly what you said you could do. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Sometimes I wrestle with the faith. Sometimes I wrestle with having faith. That's why one of my favorite prayers in the scriptures are, Jesus, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And I love this, I love this. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This word peace in Hebrew means shalom. It's the thing that we all want. It's the thing we all need. And she got it. She got it in one encounter with Jesus. And if he did it then, he can do it again. Because at the end of the day, he is our way maker. He is the one that will make a way through the loneliness when we feel like the loneliness has just let us down. He is a miracle worker. That if we are lonely because of the... Do you know that God is an expert in cleaning up a mess? If he can take a cross and then turn it into an empty tomb, he can take any situation in our life and make it right. He's a promise keeper that if he promised to be with us and never leave us, forsake us, then that promise is true. And he is a light. He is a light. And some of us have experienced so much darkness in this past season. We just need to see a light. And here's what I hope everybody understands and realizes. He right now is here in this place. And he is as real as he was with this woman in the story. So over the next few moments before we give the invitation, I'm wondering if we would just have the courage to reach out and grab the garments and acknowledge who he is. So Father, I want to thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I want to thank you, Jesus, that no one in this room is alone. God, I pray for the person that feels alone abandoned, rejected because of something we've done or something that's been done to us. I pray, Jesus, over these next few moments that you would remind them that you are here.
that you are with us, that you will not leave us or forsake us. Jesus, I pray for people to have the courage over these next few moments to reach out and grab the garments, to understand, to, to acknowledge that you are a way maker, that you are a miracle worker, that you are a promise keeper, that you are a light in the darkness. And God, as we take a few moments to reflect before the invitation, that you would change hearts and change lives and make us so aware that you are in this place. In your name we pray. Amen.